Welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. We talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Yes, indeed we do. And we back with a great episode. We are back. It's supposed to be a summer shorts, but then I got really excited. Yeah. And wrote a little bit longer than I meant to. So a summer medium? It's a summer medium. Or is it a summer regular? Uh, it's probably a summer medium. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fair. <laughs> well, to uh, go ahead and get us moving along then, since yeah. we're running on medium time. Yep. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? I just went with an ice water because it is just what I want to want to have. I don't yeah. know. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wasn't feeling very creative or thoughtful tonight. It's okay. Hydrate or dihydrate. Always. What that's about you? Well, I uh, cracked open whiskey that I have had for a while. I shared with our Patreon uh, subscribers earlier this week that I got this whiskey like five years ago and I was holding on to it to let it age. And then I learned whiskey doesn't age like that. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, once it's done sitting in the cask and it goes into a bottle, it's like, well, that's it. It's time. It's time. And so I was like, oh, well, in that case, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and open this now. Totally. So I opened it. So I'm drinking a, a Willet bourbon and I threw one ice cube in there just for good measure. I usually like them neat, but I was feeling like I needed an ice cube in there this time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's nice. what I'm drinking. Hooray. Well, to uh, jump right into it, because since we're running on medium time mm-hmm. this week, we're going to skip our game. Yep. We're going to jump right into the story. So, babe, why don't you go ahead and take us away? All right. In the Northwestern Territories in northern Canada lies the Nahani River that runs through the stunningly beautiful Nahani National Park Reserve, an area referred to as the Nahani Valley. The Nahani Valley boasts rushing whitewater, canyons, towering, twisting cliffside cave systems, ancient trees, hot springs, a massive and beautiful waterfall, and scenic hiking. It's been sort of nicknamed Canada's Grand Canyon, I've seen. Hmm. Given its extremely remote location, the Nahani Valley is only accessible by river, plain, or by foot. But despite its obvious beauty and the allure it can have for adventurers of all kinds, the Nahani Valley is home to a disturbing past and a series of dark, menacing legends. This is the story of the Nahani Valley, perhaps better known as the Valley of the Headless Men. Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy. The Valley of the Headless Men. Have you ever heard this one no, before? No, I've never heard of oh, that before. Oh boy, I'm so excited. Is it how I'm I, we're gonna find out, I'm sure, how far back this dates, but it it reminds me of the Headless Horseman story. It is not like that. It's not like that. Okay. All right, take it away. Okay, so I gave you a few of the key features of the Nahani Valley in the intro, but for the sake of painting a slightly bigger picture, the Nahani Valley National Park Reserve expands over a whopping 18,641 square miles, or 30,000 square kilometers. Hmm. And this area sits within the Mackenzie Country, one of the four main regions of the Northwest Territory way up in the far north of Canada. Hmm. The Nahani Valley National Park is completely inaccessible by car, like I said, but you can travel into Mackenzie Country by car for the for like part of the journey. But oh, if you want to okay. get into the yeah. valley, you have to go on foot by boat or by plane or float plane. Float plane. Yeah, I'm assuming it's the ones that like have little floaties on like oh, the legs, oh, you know. Oh, so you can you can yeah, land on water. Yeah, we're very landlocked and so I'm just assuming <laughs> We're the only triple landlocked state in 
the union. What? What? Are, what? We are triple landlocked. What does that mean? It means that there are two states between us and any major body of water. Wow. No, the only one. Thanks, Nebraska. Wow, look at us go. I know. <laughs> so those brave enough to make the journey will be rewarded with a gorgeous and scenic landscape encompassing all kinds of beautiful features from mountains to valleys and so on. This area has been inhabited by First Nations peoples for thousands of years, and it's within these groups that the legend begins. And just for clarification, in Canada, Indigenous people prefer the term First Nations peoples. Oh, yeah. As opposed to, like, we would use Native Americans as kind of a common Mm -hmm. term that we would use that's acceptable. They prefer First Nations. First Nations. Generally speaking. From, From my understanding. If I'm wrong, please correct me. But that was what I understood when I was reading. Yeah. So the legends surrounding the Nahani Valley have their origins in the centuries-old stories coming from the Dene people, which is a group comprised of more than 20 different indigenous tribes. The Dene people have long told the story of a particularly vicious tribe known as the Naha people and of an ancient evil that's said to inhabit the land where the valley sits. Long before white settlers came into the area, the Dene people have told stories of this evil that few are willing to risk even encountering. According to legend, any hunters, brave or perhaps foolish enough to venture into the valley in search of game, would come face to face with an evil spirit with its origins involving bad medicine practice, resulting in a dark supernatural force which rules the area. Mm. While countless hunters who entered the valley never returned, the few who did came back with plenty of terrifying tales to share. They spoke first of the evil spirit, whose piercing shrieks and wails echoed over the valley. They also spoke of a fearsome creature, a group of hair-covered giants who killed and ate any human who they came across. These creatures were believed to live inside of one of the many vast cave systems. There were also tales of a relatively unknown cannibalistic tribe of warriors. Oh. Interestingly, it wasn't just the Dene who spoke of this group. In the 1830s, a group of European explorers were attempting to map a route to the Pacific when they stumbled upon this very group. The explorers were surrounded on all sides with a large crowd of angry mountain warriors jeering at them. Believing they were all going to die, they were suddenly relieved when a beautiful, pale white chiefess of the group came forward and commanded the warriors to let the men pass, and so they lived to tell the tale. Wow. Very strange. Hmm. Over the years, plenty of people have speculated about the origins of this group. Some have wondered if they were the remnants of an ancient species of hominid, while others wonder if due to their isolated location, the group had to resort to cannibalistic practice to stay alive. Hmm. Okay. Wow. So there's, there's a little bit of like a history that involves, um, some folklore. Yeah. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's also just like, this could be a not totally human species Mm -hmm. as we know it. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks around that is what they're willing to go as far as to say. Right. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were, they were human like, but not completely. Yeah. From my understanding, which is very interesting. Hmm. And then there was the Naha tribe described as warlike and ferocious. The Naha were a nomadic tribe who would ransack any enemy village. They came across burning whole villages to the ground and stealing away every woman and child in their path. After years of these terrible attacks, the Dene united with a plan to pillage the Naha village, but when they arrived, they were shocked to discover that the Naha had disappeared completely, never to be seen or heard from again. Oh, weird. 
One of the more eerie aspects of this is that the Naha village was completely intact. There were lit fires. Their shelters, food, and all of their belongings remained in the camp as well. Just the people were gone. Just the people. Okay. But they were like a pretty, pretty brutal group, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So it's not like someone just came in and was like, let's kidnap all of these people. (laughs) Right. That would be very strange. Yes. That would be super strange. Mm. And like lit fire. So it was like they were in the process of their normal routine when they suddenly vanished. Yeah. So a lot of people have wondered for a long time what happened to them. Like, where did they go? Many people wonder if the Naha simply relocated and settled elsewhere, but why would they do that? They were the most feared tribe in the area for so many years. So perhaps they came across the monsters or the spirits of the valley, and perhaps those beings wiped out the Naha completely. Hmm. But regardless, nobody really knows what happened to them. Some have speculated that they migrated down like into various regions of the United States and that certain other tribes that are still standing today are maybe longtime descendants of the Naha, but hmm. there's not really, from what I can understand, not really any way to prove that. So yeah. Well, and even it's that, all speculative, that story still doesn't like add up to them migrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you would think they would want to bring their shelters and their yes, belongings exactly. and not light a fire and just walk away. Right. But you never know. Odd. So by the early 1800s, fur trappers from the Northwest Company had set up trading posts and forts in the region, one of which was on the mouth of the South Nahani River. So these men were inundated with tales and warnings about the Nahani Valley from the Dene peoples and were advised to stay far, far away. The Northwest Company eventually merged with the Hudson Bay Company in 1821. And with all of these new people on the scene, it would only be a few decades before gold would be discovered in various regions across Canada, leading to a massive gold rush with Um, hundreds of people who would be referred to as stampeders, who would come into the area in search of gold, with most of them coming up short due to their inexperience at navigating the landscape or the rushing rapids of the river. Along with the Dene legends, stories of a fantastical paradise located at the heart of the Nahani Valley also spread. Apparently, it was supposedly, I guess, Hmm. an untouched tropical oasis with lush tropical greenery, as well as many species of animals that have long been classified as extinct, such as mammoths and pterodactyls, etc. But I'll talk more about that whole thing later. Okay. I'm very curious about that right out of the gate because it's also supposedly pretty far north. It's very far north. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, it's like spruce trees and poplars and stuff like that. So the idea of it, of there being... A tropical oasis is a very strange claim. Yeah. So at the height of the gold rush in the early 1900s, various explorers living at Fort Liard and Fort Simpson were planning out their next trips to go look for gold. This brings us to some of our first key figures in the story, the McLeod brothers. Charlie, Willie, and Frank McLeod planned to head into the uncharted Nahani Valley wilderness in search of gold. They set out from Fort Simpson in early 1904 with their gold sluices and equipment which the gold sluices are like those pans with the sifters on them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they left and traveled along the flat river. As luck would have it, the men did in fact strike gold and lots of it. Really? They loaded up their makeshift boat with their supplies and their gold. And as they navigated down the flat river, disaster struck when they reached the Big Bend portion of the South Nahani, a sharp curve that they were not expecting. 
Their boat capsized and they lost nearly everything, save for some lumber and a small amount of their gear. But the gold was washed away in the current. Yeah. So that was like a big deal. Yeah. Crushed by their misfortune, the McLeods returned to Fort Simpson and planned a return trip to the harsh, unforgiving region to try their luck again. Mm Mm-hmm. So then the two younger brothers on this next expedition, just Frank and Willie, along with one other prospector, a man with the last name of either Wade or Weir, depending on the source, Mm. began their trip back up the Flat River towards the Nahani Valley once again. This time feeling a little bit more well-prepared and confident that they could safely bring their haul of gold in. Months passed by. This wasn't immediately concerning to the older McLeod brother, Charlie. He just assumed that his brothers had struck gold maybe in like a major way, and mm-hmm. that they were just out there gathering more gold and that they would be home when they were satisfied that their haul for that trip was complete. Sure. But then years passed by. Oh, no. Nearly three full years since the younger McLeods and the other prospectors set off. So Charlie and a small search party of other competent and experienced outdoorsmen, as well as a group of Dene peoples who knew the area pretty well, mm-hmm. set out in search of the missing men. Remembering the original Flat River route, the men set off by boat up the Flat River, meticulously searching for any signs of the missing men along the banks. After days of paddling the river, the group reached an area called Second Canyon, which is a stretch of river where both sides are completely surrounded by towering cliffs, some of which are 3,000 feet high. Oh, wow. And then they're dotted with these little cave entrances at all different heights. So it's it's like... It's really beautiful. I've seen photos of it. Yeah. But it's a little bit like, I mean, a little intimidating is an understatement. It's (laughs) extremely intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. And like the cliff's edges, they're like right along the river. There's like no shoreline. It's just cliff. Cliff river. Wow. Which is crazy. So after almost getting through Second Canyon and into First Canyon, Charlie and crew came upon what appeared to have been an abandoned campsite. As they approached it, they found a makeshift note either on the sled that they were carrying or on a nearby tree. I've seen it both ways. Mm-hmm. The note read, quote, we have found a fine prospect, which at first was a relief to Charlie because it's like, phew, okay, they came all this way and they did find gold after all, so maybe they're fine. Yeah, hopefully. But upon further inspection of the seemingly abandoned campsite, the group made a chilling discovery. There on the ground was a deceased body. Oh, no. The clothing that the body was wearing was charred, almost as if it had been burnt. And the body was clearly reaching for a rifle that was resting against a nearby tree, implying that this person had been potentially ambushed in the moments leading up to their death. The most horrifying thing about the body, though, was that it was missing its head. A little further into the camp, a second body was found hanging halfway out of a tent, and this one was also headless. Jeez. Very, very gruesome. Yeah. Using personal effects found on the bodies, they were both identified as the two missing McLeod brothers. Mm. The other prospector was nowhere to be found within the campsite. One of the other more chilling aspects of this discovery was that despite the note claiming to have struck gold, there was no gold anywhere near the bodies. Mm. No visible deposits anywhere nearby, none in their supplies, and none anywhere near the bodies at all. Yeah. Very strange. So had they been attacked by a mad trapper or another prospector? Had an evil creature like the one spoken of by the Dene peoples attacked the pair? And where were their heads? Right. Oh, 
Sadly, the heads were never recovered. They oh. never found them. A short time later, a third body was discovered along the riverbanks, and this one too was missing his head. Assuming this was the body of Wade slash Weir, it was clear to the group and eventually to the public who went nuts hmm. when the news of this bizarre event had reached them that someone or something had clearly attacked the group. But who or what, I guess, and why? Now, one would think, one would assume that law enforcement would put all of their efforts towards finding and stopping this perpetrator or perpetrators from striking again. But their response was puzzling to say the least. Law enforcement ruled the three deaths as death by natural causes and that the men in the group had simply succumbed to the harsh elements. What? So I don't know about you, but when I think of death by natural causes or due to exposure, I don't immediately picture decapitation. Right. It's just not part of the equation. They just said, oh, some animals must have just taken their heads. Yeah, that's of three specific bodies. Yes, that only their heads <laughs> and apparently their gold. Yeah. In the more than 100 years since the McLeod incident, countless others have also been confused by this ruling and have wondered aloud if the response from law enforcement was one of negligence or perhaps a cover-up. That perhaps they knew of someone or something out there stalking the woods for their next victim and maybe they were too afraid to tackle the beast for themselves or maybe it was more complicated than that. Sure. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is like, weird. I feel like that's... Yeah, that's such a strange, my... Well, they must have just gotten a little too cold. Like, yeah, are you kidding? My my benefit of the doubt just wants to say someone in charge was too scared to go look into it. And that's yeah. the benefit of the doubt. That's like the best case scenario because <laughs> they were right. too freaked out to figure out what caused it. Yeah. Oh, so wow. either way, the area along Second Canyon was quickly dubbed Dead Man's Valley or the Valley of the Headless Men. But these deaths were not the only ones to take place in the Nahani Valley. So in a later interview, and I think it's one of the few, if not only, interviews given by Charlie McLeod, he said that he himself had stumbled upon another headless body in the valley while out exploring. This one was found in a cabin, and the large man's head was nowhere to be found nearby. But near the body was a rifle that had been badly bent, something which would have taken considerable force. Mm, wow. Like the barrel of it was bent. Yeah. There's also the death of a man named Martin Jorgensen, another prospector looking for gold in the valley. In 1917, his body was discovered, also decapitated, a few months after he'd sent communications back home stating that he'd, quote, struck it rich. Stranger still was the fact that the cabin he was discovered near had been burnt down with only structural beams left standing. His death was ruled as natural causes and unrelated to the deaths of the Wade slash Weir and the McClouds. Hmm. That's <laughs> just totally unrelated. Yeah. Uh, more and more, this seems like sketchy at best. Yeah. Just, I mean, bad police work at best. Choosing to do bad police work at best. Mm -hmm. So like either just, because you're scared or because you don't want people to know. Right. But like the thing is, is like the people living up in areas like the Nahani Valley. Mm -hmm. Like for a long, long time. These are not like wimpy guys. These aren't like right. wimpy guys and gals. Like right. they can handle themselves. They understand. They're pretty tough. The area. Yes. And so the fact that law enforcement would yeah. like the idea of them being too scared to investigate seems almost more unbelievable. Yeah. Than anything else to me. 
I'm like, I doubt it. <laughs> I just don't feel like they were scared, you know? Right. That just doesn't right. pass the vibe check of what I picture a person who lives in the Canadian wilderness to be like. Right. Well, and it it brings up the thought of like, either they know something and so they are like, this still kind of exists within the scared realm of the mm-hmm. conversation. They know something, so they're like, nope, not going there. Or they know something and are a part of it. Mm-hmm. Or, or like approving of it. Sure. And that's where it gets to Or they've to made be, a deal with a spirit Yeah, yeah, monster. something like that. Yeah, who knows? So it just, it, yeah, it's very uh, strange, ominous even, and just a weird, a weird situation. Very strange, like regardless of what the reasoning was, it is weird. Yeah. Other strange deaths involve a corpse being found hunched over the remains of a campfire, frozen in place as if he were alive one moment and then flash frozen in that same position the next. Ooh. Creepy. Yeah. Very, very creepy. (laughs) And no like like wounds to the body at all? Nope. Just frozen at like still hunched, warming your hands by the fire. Very weird. Mm. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Another strange death involved the body of a man found reading a magazine in the middle of yet another cabin that had been burned down to its foundation as well, which obviously confounds any semblance of reason. So just like the last one, the man was found almost as though he'd been casually reading a magazine one moment and then fully engulfed and killed by flames the next. Weird. So he's just like in that holding a magazine position? And just dead. Just, yeah. What? This well, death I was what ruled. He was holding on. Had to have been really good. I hope so. <laughs> this death was ruled as an accident, and while it's been unclear whether this man was headless or not, it's still an extremely bizarre death added to the ever-growing list of deaths in the Nahani Valley. Hmm. Another bizarre occurrence was the disappearance of a young woman by the name of Annie Lafferty in the summer of 1926. While out on a hunting expedition with a small group of people, including her cousin Mary and Mary's husband Paul Field. They were camped out for the night near the Flat River, and when the group woke up, they discovered that Annie was gone. Mm. A search party was immediately formed, consisting of the hunting party and a small handful of First Nations hunters who scoured the area, and this is where things get extremely odd. They were able to quickly find Annie's trail. It trekked through the most dense, most rugged portions of the forest, with shreds of her clothing being found torn and stuck on branches as they walked. Oh, So these experienced outdoorsmen struggled and fumbled as they followed her trail, but were stopped dead in their tracks when her trail led to the bottom of an extremely tall cliff. Like, so that's where her tracks stopped. Oh, 
The group scanned the area looking for a way up the cliff. They also looked left and right to see if she'd traveled along the cliff's edge, but it was very clear that she hadn't. The only way she could have gone was up the cliff. But it was impossible because literally none of the men could climb the cliff because it was so steep. Yeah. Which is like, okay, very weird. So after finding their way to the top of the cliff, like using a different route, they were astonished to discover that Annie's tracks had in fact continued at the top of the cliff, perfectly even with where her tracks stopped at the bottom of the cliff far below. What? So she had to have climbed it. Also, more articles of her clothing were hanging precariously along the cliff face. What? So she's like... Losing clothes as she's going. Either it's being torn by like jagged rocks or she's removing them herself. So she's like climbing or floating up to the... Wow. Okay. How had a young woman scaled this straight up and down cliff like this? Right. They continued to follow her trail, but after nine days without finding Annie or her body, the group was forced to retreat. Hmm. They reported her disappearance, and the assumption was that she had gotten lost and died in the wilderness. That was until a man by the name of Charlie came forward with a bizarre story of his own just a few months later. Around the same time that Annie had gone missing, he was also in the valley hunting. He was camped out for the night on the flat river when he woke up to strange sounds outside of his tent. He heard the sounds of something heavy like stones falling. He took a look around and like outside, Mm -hmm. and that's when he saw a young woman naked and climbing the impossibly steep cliff nearby. What? He described her movements as animalistic. And when she turned to look at him from slightly above the ground, her eyes were wide open, like as much as humanly possible. And her mouth was stretched in a grotesque grimace, a smile that he referred to as a rictus grin. Oh my God. He ran back to his camp. And when he woke up the following morning, he dismissed his experience as a bizarre dream. But when the news of a young woman who went missing in the Flat River area in the summer of 1926 broke, he brought his story to the police, believing that he'd seen Annie Lafferty, and that was the woman climbing the cliff. Oh my gosh. His story was very quickly dismissed, and Annie's disappearance remained a mystery to the public. Wow, that is horrifying. Nightmare. Yes. I'm like, that's like scared to go outside kind of stuff. Yes. Oh my gosh. So some have wondered if Annie's disappearance and countless others like it came at the hands of a creature known as the Nakani. The Nakani is a Bigfoot-like creature said to live in the area. It's described as twice the size of a man with large primate-like arms, dark brown or red fur, a bad smell, and glowing red eyes. The creature has been said to attempt to mock human speech and laughter as well. Oh, that's just... Hate it. Absolutely horrifying. Scarier still, the Nakani is said to have a penchant for abducting women specifically. And according to legend, they may even have the power of hypnosis that they use to lure its victims to itself. So could Annie Lafferty have been under the spell of the Nakani, made to climb a sheer rock face naked in the middle of the night? Oh, gosh. That's it would check out. That would I'm just saying. Lauren Coleman, actually, who wrote the oh. book about the Bridgewater Triangle mm-hmm. and he coined the term and all of that, he has written about the Nakani. And like wow. a bunch of cryptozoologists have, which oh, I thought was man. interesting. Yeah, that's absolutely terrifying. And like the visual that pops in my head is like like 
absolutely horror movie kind of stuff. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> just never want to see that. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's just, it's 1926. It's summer. Oh, man. You're just having a nice time listening to the beautiful, like, sounds of the river rushing by. Yeah. Like, it's just a nice, peaceful night. You're falling asleep, dozing off, and you hear rocks. And you go to check out the sound, source of the sound, all that. And there's just a lady with a crazy face, naked, climbing the cliff somehow (laughs) with no gear. And you have no category for that kind of a thing because of the time that it happens in. I know. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. Insane. So the Nakani sightings date back thousands of years, and they are also a feature of various Dene folklore, with the Dene peoples being so afraid of the creature that they would spend spring and summer on the small islands in the water, believing that the Nakani wouldn't be able to cross. So since spring and summer are considered to be their most active months, their usual villages would remain abandoned for almost half the year in an attempt to avoid the creature. Oh, wow. So they were that afraid of it. Well, there are like journals from explorers, settlers, Mm -hmm. various kinds of people who all share very similar accounts of being stalked by a creature, one that's laughing outside of their shelter, Mm -hmm. but it's not human. It's way too big. Red eyes, all this kind of stuff. There's like a lot of consistency and stuff written in like 1805, Yeah, which is wild. And like even before that (sighs) blows my mind. So the Nakani are far from the only cryptid reported to exist in the valley. Tales of wild men, which are small hominid beings, much like those encountered by the early explorers, have been reported all over the valley. They supposedly stand around five feet tall, and journals from early settlers, as well as more Dene oral folk tales, speak of these guys, and they bear a striking resemblance to the group led by the pale-faced chiefess, often referred to as the White Queen, which I thought was kind of cool. I was like... (laughs) Okay, the White Queen. Yeah. It's giving Narnia a little bit. It is a little bit. <laughs> but like, she's nice. She's like, we she's, don't need to kill yeah, these Yeah, she's a good Snow Queen. Yeah. <laughs> so not only that, but there are dozens of more people who have gone missing in the Nahani Valley, many seeming to simply vanish into thin air unprompted. As recently as 2005, mysterious deaths have continued in the valley. Wow. Really? So, yeah, 2005. Yeah. Two men, David Horsey and Fred Hardesty, went into the wilderness in the valley on a camping trip in June of 2005. So these guys were experienced outdoorsmen, but when they mysteriously didn't return home, their families began to worry, Mm -hmm. like fast. They're like, this is not normal. A large search party was formed and the whole area surrounding the cabin, like miles in every direction, was swept, but neither man could be found. A week into the search, the Royal Canadian Mountain Police called it off. But the search party continued. Two weeks later, David's body was discovered lying in some thick brush more than two miles away from the cabin in an area that had previously been searched by the search party. Oh my, that's, honestly, that's like scarier. It is. To know that it's been searched and then all of a sudden it's there. I know. He had been burned on his arms and hands. Hmm. They couldn't figure out why. Just his arms and hands. Yeah. Weird. Two weeks after that, Fred's body was found floating in the river, also in an area that had previously been searched. And this was 12 miles away from the cabin. Oh my. Stranger still, neither man left with any guns or protective gear or like protective clothing, nor was there anything wrong inside of the cabin that could account for them leaving willingly without protection. 
David's cause of death was listed as hypothermia and Fred's was listed as drowning. Their autopsies have not been made available to the public and the police have closed the case, despite the fact that the families of both men have insisted that there was plenty that did not add up and that the investigation was half-hearted at best. Yeah. As recently as 2019, their families have requested that their deaths be more seriously investigated, but so far, the case remains closed. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is so weird. And once again, it's a strange like, why are the police being weird about this? Like to to end the search party so fast uh-huh. when there's people that are still willing to give their time to it. Right. To be very, very close to the chest with information. And like, this was a major news story. Like they were giving updates, even if the updates weren't actual updates, mm-hmm. like daily yeah. on this, all the news sources were because it was a big deal. That's And so the fact that they released pretty much nothing and the families wanted more Mm -hmm. is so strange and bizarre and weirdly consistent with what we've seen from law enforcement this whole story right very weird a hundred years earlier i know like what what is it that strings that together i I know Hmm. i know very bizarre i brought this up early on but in the 1800s tales were told of a tropical oasis said to exist at the heart of the nahani valley yes Strangely enough, this rumor has since been confirmed. What? That's crazy. In a document released by the Canadian Department of Northern Affairs, it's been confirmed that there are small pockets within the Nahani Valley with vegetation more akin to tropical plants than to the usual spruce and poplar trees that are associated with the area. There are also hot springs found along the Liard River that seem to defy the climate of the region altogether. Hmm. Another strange phenomenon is the discovery of hundreds of headless doll sheep skeletons found in a cavern in the middle of a tall, unreachable cliff. What? Mm -hmm. Some of them are skeletal and some of them are preserved, but they're believed to be very, very, very old. While the doll sheep are skilled climbers and can sometimes be seen like climbing along the cliffs, they typically aren't seen in cliffs this steep, nor are they typically seen without their heads. Um, Just for no no reason? I would imagine not. So these sheep are believed to be, like I said, several thousand years old, which has led many to wonder who or what put them in the cave. And perhaps more strangely, why are they missing their heads? (sighs) Yeah. That's really weird. Now all of a sudden these things are starting to tie together of like, like uh, just kind of coming to a head of all these different rivers kind of finding a mm-hmm. home base. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, what is this thing? <laughs> yeah. Because this is where it's getting kind of crazy and out there. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Keep going. The Nahani National Park Reserve was officially established in 1972. And while you can visit many portions of the park, the vast cave systems are still closed to the public. Only scientists and specific professionals with express written permission from either the park service or from the Canadian government are allowed to venture near them, which has kept the mystery and intrigue of the valley alive kind of in its own unique way. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Rumors that the caves are home to the Nakani or to the Naha tribe who found a way to utilize the height and stealth advantages of the cliffs still float around, as well as the possibility that there are lost civilizations contained within the mysterious cliffside caves. (sighs) 
In the last several decades, questions of the intentions of the government in regards to the Nahani Valley and the narratives surrounding the strange deaths and lazy rulings on causes of death have also continued to swirl. A few short miles away from Lafferty Creek, named in Annie Lafferty's memory, large zinc deposits were discovered that bring in several hundred million Canadian dollars each year. Oh, wow. The idea that maybe the reason for some level of cover-up could be the potential for gold, lead, silver, zinc, and other things like that. Hmm. Like if they're there in abundance, yeah. then maybe they want to keep that information away from the public. Sure. That's, that would make sense. Um, it's, it still doesn't totally answer dead people. Like unless the government themselves is like a, right. a conspiracy. Right. Uh, but it does, it does make it like, okay, this is why this was set off, mm-hmm. set apart from the government for reasons other than the Nakani. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. So weirdly enough, Paul Field, the husband of Annie's cousin Mary, would be the one to discover mineralization in the area, hmm. which I think is crazy. That is crazy. That's and an it was like not connection. far from Lafferty yeah. Creek, which was named after her. Hmm. And a lot of people do think it's weird that like, he had this super bizarre experience followed up with that really strange story from that other guy unrelated to them. Mm-hmm. And that he was just like cool to wander back into the Valley. People thought of, thought that that is strange. Yeah. I feel, I feel like it can be, but it yeah. doesn't have to be strange. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. But beyond that, many have wondered if the Dene have been right all along that the Nahani Valley isn't just dangerous and therefore unsafe for the public due to its beautiful yet deeply unforgiving landscape. But that something much more worthy of fear, something truly and completely evil, lurks in the Valley of the Headless Men, and that should the public venture in, or should we be given all of the information about what might be out there, that it would be too much for us to reckon with. (laughs) Author Neil Hartling wrote in his book, Nahani, River of Gold, River of Dreams, quote, men vanish in that country, and down the river, they say it's a damned good country to keep clear of, end quote. And that's what I have for you today. Ooh, oh my gosh. That one has so much like, it's like a combination of like, there's an adventure element to it. It's kind of like when I was, uh, I want to say like in sixth grade or something, I read this book called Hatchet. Remember oh yeah, Hatchet? we all read Hatchet. Yeah, we yeah, all read Hatchet. Hatchet. And it was, he's out in the Canadian wilderness. Mm-hmm. So it has like, a, a, a tinge of that story yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. But then all of these other cryptid things and yeah. uh, just kind of mystery and all, all of these, you know, conspiracy theory, all things kind of come into this one. There's a lot happening mm-hmm. with like so many unknowns. Yeah. So th- this was, this was a crazy story to me. I feel like yeah. very satisfied with even though usually we're not satisfied with yeah. the lack of closure on a story, mm-hmm. this one is satisfying because it's kind of ongoing. Yeah. There's something about just the mystery mm-hmm. that really like keeps it like, oh, wow, this is, yeah. Anyway. Well, and it's one of those places where the the confirmed reports are creepy enough. Like the confirmed things that we know have happened there mm-hmm. are bizarre and weird and creepy. Yeah. And then- there have been plenty of stories that have been added and made up that like can't really be confirmed that I could have shared just because they're fun. Yeah. But they couldn't be confirmed. Right. Yeah. And it it is kind of a breeding ground for so many more 
potential good stories. Mm -hmm. And so there's something really fun about that to me, but also I wanted to try and keep it as like, let's confirm this as possible before I, before I shared things. But yeah, I mean, there were plenty of other confirmed things I could have shared, but I was trying to not go summer long. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So keep it summer medium should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fine. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it in that realm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one was really fun. Yeah, I, I, it, it must have been fun to write too. It was. That's great. Well, everybody, thanks so much for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today. Just a reminder, if you haven't already, please make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform to this podcast and that you leave a five-star review. Those reviews help other people who listen to similar podcasts to find this one. Make sure that you're following us on social media, on TikTok and Instagram at This One Is A Doozy, and on Facebook, This One's A Doozy Podcast. And if you want to follow us even more closely, more directly, with more content, you can join us over on Patreon. My love, why don't you tell them a little bit about that? Yes. So you can follow the link in our Instagram bio or our Facebook about section, or you can go to patreon.com slash doozypod. And for $5 a month, you can support our show. Subscribers over on Patreon also get access to all of our content, ad-free, no interruptions, and two exclusive bonus episodes each month. That's right. And those are some of my favorites. Yes. We're going to share another one in the next couple of weeks to kind of wrap up the summer season. That's awesome. And like transition into fall. Oh, yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. what we're going to do. There's so many good ones. I know. We'll oh. All right. Well, with that, everybody, we will see you next week for another doozy. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.